Welcome to Mornings with Mike. Public Safety Today. Grab a coffee and sign up to receive your call-in information. Be a part of the show. For more information at any time, please visit www.tapsd.org. Now, let's get started with your host, Mike Pazesny. All right, folks, welcome back. We're talking about crisis intervention strategies as concerns our schools. And we just got through with a little 15-minute dissertation about the schools of the new millennia. But if you take a look, drive around, take a look at your schools, walk inside one of those schools that you're helping to fund with your property taxes, and uh, see the security practices that are currently in place. Fifty years ago, we would never have imagined that we were going to have to have armed uh, security officers, school resource officers, usually sheriff's deputies, uh, in our schools. Uh, Fifty years ago, we would never have believed that we had to have a Board of Education police departments where all these post-certified police officers did was try to ensure the security and the safety of the students and their relationships to each other and the parents and the visitors and the staff who happened to work there. Fifty years ago, our number one focus was trying to have educational centers uh, that were motivational and, um, you know, a, a catharsis of, of, of intellectualism and, and advancement and hope and, and all of that. Uh, that's not it. Now, now we are building correctional centers, and we've gotten so good at building prisons in this country and uh, believing that that's the way that we need to handle the deviance within our society that we're applying the same strategies to our youth. Uh, we believe that what we need to do is to take our youth and put them into correctional facilities in order for us to be able to exercise power and control. It's almost a massive national domestic violence situation, and it's breeding more violence within our schools. Schools have always been prepared for things like tornadoes and fires, but they, we have a situational crisis evolving over a period of time that involves violence, which is perpetrated on students or teachers by others. Schools are still relatively safe places to go, depending on what kind of school environment that you get into. School-associated violent deaths represent less than 1% of all homicides that occur among school-aged children, but this doesn't mean that schools are absolutely safe. When a lot of people are talking about school safety, they're talking about making sure that we don't have another Columbine or another Sandy Hook. That's not where we're going with this presentation. Where we're going here is to look at the, the larger picture. Assaults, threats, intimidations, property destruction, bullying, physical injury, these kinds of things are occurring in all of our schools, and they occur on a fairly often basis. The large urban schools um, have statistically greater numbers of these things actually happening, and we know that in our middle schools these things are also happening. Uh, we also understand very well, all too well, that not only are these things happening in the large urban schools, but they're happening in the rural and in the suburban schools. And when the media gets involved in these things, the public is usually shocked at the fact that these things could be happening. But we all know that they're happening. We just don't want to think that they're happening within schools. Why? Well, because most of us went to schools prior to the time that these situations were occurring within the schools. We like to think of the school as being this nice little safe place that we can put, you know, Susie Cream Cheese when she's uh, uh, getting educated uh, so that she has a wonderful future ahead of her. 
And what we fail to uh, recognize or realize or we want to accept and what we want to stay in denial about is that there are a lot of bad people out there. And uh, and then we are inundated lately, within the last 10 years, of one story after another after another of school teachers who were having sexual affairs with the students that they're supposed to be educating. Uh, so there's a, there's a general d- degradation of confidence in our schools as safe places and a gradual increase in the amount of security violations, both with people who work within the school and people who are outside of the school. So how do we deal with the numbers of students who are affected by a crisis in the event that there is one within the schools? How do we deal with critical and concerned parents of the students who were attending the school? How do we keep the school safe without trampling on the constitutional rights of course, it depends on which constitution you're talking about because we don't seem to operate under the, the same constitution any longer than maybe six months these days. But if there are constitutional rights which still exist for the students who are within the school, how do we operate the school and keep it safe without trampling on whatever remains of those constitutional rights? Uh, how do we deal with the media who descend like a pack of vultures on the school every time that there's a crisis uh, so that they can go ahead and sell a few more containers of dishwashing detergent or something. Um, there are very few institutions within our society that have to deal with the kinds of crisis that a school does in the event that there's a problem in that school. It's a not an enviable position to be in to be a school administrator these days and to have to be proactively prepared for different kinds of crises that might hit. Why do we have today's youth becoming more violent? I wish I had the answer to that because I wouldn't have to be doing what I'm doing now. But if we take a look at what is generally accepted as reasons for that, it will be something as follows. Uh, Poor parenting practices. Golly gee whiz. Both parents are out there trying to afford that big fancy SUV. Both of them are working and both of them work so much that they care more about their SUV than they care about Johnny. So Johnny goes and finds some friends to hang out with. Uh, An ineffective welfare system that for decades has rewarded people who sit on their butts all day long rather than getting themselves an education or going out and working two or three part-time jobs, if that's what it means, to support their family. We have taught people that it is easier and more effective uh, to take handouts from the government than it is to actually do something for themselves, and they have taught that to their kids. Uh, Marginalization of minorities. Uh, We have taken different ethnic uh, groups within this country, and some of them um, have accepted the various roles that have been been provided to them. And as a result of that, they've been marginalized, and intergenerationally, uh, they have become further and further disenfranchised with what used to be the American dream. Availability of high-powered automatic weapons. You know, it, it's very easy for kids to get their hands on automatic weapons now. In some cases, we found where the kids were buying them out of the trunks of vehicles behind the schoolyards. Racism, uh, firmly entrenched in some of our schools. Gang growth, uh, security threat groups growing within the schools, recruitment within the schools of gangs such as MS-13 that's recruiting down to the middle school and elementary school levels now within our school systems to be able to build up their gang memberships. Violence in the homes, people within families who used to be able to keep things quiet within the homes and used to honor and cherish and obey and believe in each other, uh, now being violent with each other. Uh, Families 
that are so hopelessly fractured between two and three different marriages and people coming in from different relationships that basically it's a matter of convenience to be a family rather than a matter of being a nuclear family, all sharing the same values, the same mores, the same history, the same genetics, the same, all of those kinds of things. Now we have families that are just multi-generational, multi-layered um, messes of people who just happen to live together. And then if they decide a couple of years down the road they don't want to live together, well, then fine. Then they split up and they go find another family to hang with. So in the process of all of that, the cohesion within our family is breaking down. Bullying and the lack of male role models. The fact that kids, in trying to reestablish the power and control for themselves and their status, will take it out on other kids. Hate crimes, physical abuse, drug involvement, all these things are just a few of the social ills that are spilling over into our schools. Uh, David Grossman wrote a book in 1995 called On Killing. And Grossman uh, asserted that there were three learning theories that were at work that led to the violence which is happening in our schools. One is classical conditioning. Classical conditioning is at work when a kid sits in front of a movie or a television screen and watches, you know, carnage and death and destruction while they go ahead and, and eat popcorn and drink a soda and have a good time and, and uh, refresh their brain with the sugars that they that they continue to consume so that they can keep up with the pace of what it is that they're watching. Operant conditioning uh, is what you see in video arcades where there's immediate feedback and rewards for killing and maiming other people as a, as a kid is using the arcade games. Uh, social learning enters the school scene when there's a whole new series of, re of, of role models, you know, where we have people like a Freddy Krueger that slashes the girl's throat and slashes the horses too. Even our television and movie heroes are actually anti-heroes and operate outside of the law. Between the video games that the kids are sitting and playing that are anti-police, anti-society, pro-prostitution, pro-auto theft, pro-drug use, uh, the television media, which is violence-prone, anti-government, um, anti-social, and then uh, the social learning and the peer association, which is deviant in itself and is um, a peer clustering. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But it, but is focused usually in a very narrow area. Uh, Johnny's not growing up the same way Johnny did 50 years ago when Johnny went to scouts. Johnny learned uh, sustainment-based repair of things and not thriving in a disposable society that just threw things away, uh, where Johnny learned self-reliance, where Johnny learned, think about all of the things we were doing to teach Johnny pro-social skills. Think about all the positive things that there were on television uh, during that time frame where what was evil were aliens or terrible clay models of, of uh, dinosaurs or grossly expanded imagery of spiders or some silly thing. It was so innocent back then uh, what it was that we were as a people as compared to now where death and destruction of the very most vile acts of human beings are shoved in the face of kids at ever-decreasing ages. 
We look at brain imaging studies now. We pat ourselves on the back that we're able to do that kind of technology. But what we're doing when we do the brain imaging studies is seeing a clear relationship between the brain areas that regulate and govern emotion and images of violence. And then seeing those images of violence in people who are being studied regardless of what age they are. So if we mix in all the interactive effects of video games that are so negative uh, and so antisocial with no adult external controls that govern the amount of violence or govern the young person's ability to discriminate between fantasy and reality, then the potential for violence, which is perpetrated on real people rather than the little action figures that they're watching, rises uh, exponentially. And it's just something that we have to accept that we have to take responsibility for the way that these little people's minds are being wired and uh, and take a look at things like modeling. You know, Peggy Noonan, who was a columnist for the Wall Street Journal, wrote after watching the Cho, the Virginia Tech murderer, um, she was quoted as saying, we'll be seeing more of that from thousands of disaffected teenagers who watched and thought, wow, I could do that. Boy, that would that teach them a lesson. Everybody would know me then because that was one of the problems with Cho. Cho's role models were Dylan Klebold and Eric, uh, Eric Harris from the Columbine High School uh, debacle. Uh, who will see Cho as a role model? The showing of Cho's tape by NBC and other networks over and over and over again to millions of children who were out there watching uh, saw that Cho made a difference and that Cho did something which made him famous. And and all what they're picking up from seeing this over and over and over again is the glorification of somebody and what it was that they did uh, that was terrible. Grand Theft Auto puts gangsta pictures, you know, on MySpace. Or watching videos of school shooters or slasher movies. All of these things don't necessarily make a child a schoolyard shooter, because then we'd be having little Grand Theft Auto wannabes doing murder sprees all over the place. But with other contributing factors that we're going to be talking about later in this broadcast, you put all these things together and you can create a little child who is going to be a very dangerous type person. So the stereotypical white male schoolyard shooter in middle-class suburban areas uh, creates cries of outrage that we should do something about uh, school violence. And the problem is is that the shootings and the suicides that are happening leave kids dead regardless of what race that they happen to be. The Centers for Disease Control Adolescent Health Survey uh, 2002 found that 17% of youths surveyed had carried a weapon in the past month. 17% had carried a weapon. More than 400,000 youths were injured as a result of violence in 2000. More than one-third of the youth surveyed reported being in a physical fight in the past year. Homicide, 15%. Suicide, 12%. Are the second and third leading causes of death among youth in the United States. And these, these statistics run through to the college-age population. So we have to examine uh, where all the violence is coming from. And one of the first things I want to hit on, one of my favorite subjects, are gangs. Whether they be street gangs, street drug gangs, however it is that you want to refer to these things. There are, there are homegrown copycats and wannabes. There's enough media representation of gang members out there 
to let every student in the United States who has access to cable or some form of media find some gang that can put them into a wannabe status and make them more dangerous as that child then tries to prove how tough they are or how cool they are. But these wannabes, uh, are that's the first step of these people in getting involved in these gangs. We have homegrown survivalists and, and Aryan Nation and neo-Nazis and some extreme right-wingers out there that are based on political and religious philosophies that have actually been created by adults in, re in response to the perceived multiracial growth of America. And these people have surmised that becoming a more integrated country, uh, it creates a threat to them. So they're supported by youth corps, you know, in local and national organizations uh, of friends. And these adults then take these children and grow them into people who, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, feel the same way that they feel. And these both transitory and stable memberships that the kids get into uh, target ethnic and racial minority groups for violence. And most of these uh, Aryan neo-Nazi right-winger organizations are Caucasian. Uh, a lot of them will tout the Bible and refer to themselves as being Christian. And when, if you take a look in the Bible at, at in its entirety, they are going against what it is that the Judeo-Christian philosophy espouses when it comes to wanting to treat your neighbor decently as you would want to be treated by them, or you know, giving them the coat that they need to be able to stay warm, and all these wonderful things that you know we talk about in church that we're supposed to do to other people, regardless of what color they are. But yet, the, what these groups do, they 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 suffer from a concern that the the white genetic material. Uh, that constitutes their group is being contaminated by people from other ethnic groups because they're looking at things from a racist perspective where their focus is race. All right? We have the same kind of racist perspective by people who are in different minority groups. We have racist Latinos. We have racist blacks. We have racist, but it goes on. It's very easy to be a racist. Because all you have to do is be intelligent enough to look at another human being and to see what shade of color their skin happens to be, and then you can go ahead and categorize them and label them. And that's a pretty easy thing for any ignorant person to be able to do. It takes a little bit more intelligent human being to understand the complexity of the human equation and the dynamics of a civilization and be able to understand all of that and put it all together. <clears throat> so most of these people are of limited intelligence, and, and the little bit of intelligence that they're using they're using in, in entirely the wrong way and in a destructive way when it comes to the, the eventual ends of human civilization. But they're teaching this garbage to the kids, and then the kids are going out and espousing it and putting themselves into violent situations, which then create other violent situations for everybody else who's concerned. So that's just an introduction of what we're talking about when it comes to how violence is being perpetrated within our schools. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to come back to other uh, types of gangs. So we've got wannabes, we have the survivalist, Aryan Nation, neo-Nazi, right-winger types. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about what are called mega gangs. All right, so don't go away. We'll be right back. You are listening to the American Public Safety Training Institute. 
have a degree, but do you have what it takes? Online and field training available now from TAPSTE. Get the skills from the best trainers in America. Find out how at www.tapste.org. Get your foot in the door by earning your certificate now. 